You're listening to a message from the Winsboro Church of Christ. This is the Winsboro.Church podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, you can get in touch with us at any time through our website at winsboro.church. Happy Mother's Day. I am glad to be able to share a word with you this morning, and I hope that you are enjoying the time with your family or those who are close to you or those that you're able to. And hopefully soon we're going to be back together as a church family and be worshiping together, and I very much look forward to that day. But on this Mother's Day, I wanted to honor some of the mothers and grandmothers and great-grandmothers that have uh, played a direct role in me being here. Uh, We owe our mothers our very existence, and not just our existence, but we owe, obviously, those that cared for us, loved us, nurtured us, raised us, and uh, we honor that on a day like today. And while this is maybe unusual circumstances, maybe we're used to sitting in a church pew together with our moms and as families, uh, still I hope you can find a day to honor those that had something to do with who you are today. And I want to honor my mom, Pam Clapp. She turned 75 just a few weeks ago, and she is stubborn, just like I am. (laughs) Maybe that's, no maybe about it, that's where I got it. Um, she is uh, very intelligent, and uh, hopefully maybe I got some of that too. Uh, she is compassionate, and she is uh, just a faithful, faithful woman. And I am indebted to her uh, in so many ways. I also want to honor my grandmother. Uh, this is my grandma Jane, and she's my mother's mother. And she was the grandma that was just plain and simply grandma to us. And that had a lot to do with all that nurture and all of that help, guidance and and raising and encouraging me uh, along the years. And then I also want to share with you a picture of my mama Floyd. And my mama Floyd lived in the latter part of her life, at least, in Alba, Texas. Uh, right on the edge there of Lake Fork, and she lived to be 105 years old. She was born in 1900, died in 2005. She was a registered nurse almost all of her life, and on her 100th birthday, she was out fishing. And I'm trying to recall exactly when my mom said on our 103rd birthdays, whenever we went up to celebrate with her, and we were all waiting for to start the party, and where's Mama Floyd? Well, she was out on the boat fishing. It wasn't until she was 104 that she actually had to stop all of that, just the last year of her life. So, a pretty impressive woman, and she drank, she had a handful of vitamins and a can of Coke every day that I knew her at least. So I figured, well, if a can of Coke, she lived to be 105, how long will I live? Will I live drink three or four a day? <laughs> That's how it works, right? Uh, maybe not. But all of these women, and others as well, there are the women on my father's side of the family actually didn't know my dad's mother. Uh, She died before I was born, but I still named our oldest daughter Rosa after her. Rosa's middle name is Faye, and my grandmother's name is Faye. But anyway, we all have a family tree, obviously, filled with fathers and grandfathers, but also mothers and grandmothers. And they help make us who we are. And all of our family trees, biblically, 
all go back to the one who's called the mother of all who live, Eve. And we'll look at Eve this morning, uh, not because she is the perfect model of a mother. Uh, she is not, and that's actually going to be part of the point. But I think she can teach us. She can teach us something about being a mother, but not just being a mother, being a human. She was the mother of all humanity. There, Adam and Eve in the garden. And as a man, or as a man or a woman, or a mother or father or a child, or you know, whatever identifies you, I will say first and foremost, we're all human. And Eve is a great example of that. And uh, I think she can show us a few things about what it means to be human that we can also apply to parenthood or especially motherhood today. The first thing we can see with Eve is that we all make mistakes, even our moms. And we might have an image of motherhood and it might be kind of a Norman Rockwell version of motherhood where we think of that perfect mother perfectly and tenderly caring for her children. And I don't know about you, but I got yelled at a lot whenever I was a kid. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not trying to diminish, obviously, my mother. She did a pretty good job raising me, I guess. I turned out all right, hopefully. Um, but mothers are all different. And each one has their strengths, and each one has their weaknesses. And Eve had a pretty big weakness, and she made a pretty big mistake, obviously. It was her that took that piece of the fruit first and ate it. Now, she gave it to Adam, who was right there, and so it's not like Adam was innocent or whatever, but uh, the fact that Eve took that fruit first is emphasized a few times in Scripture, and uh, it just shows us that even the first mom, uh, while mothers often are a great example of what it means to be selfless, that doesn't mean that moms or dads or any of us, grandmas, grandpas, whatever, don't have weak moments. Weak moments where we make mistakes based on wrong motives or based on maybe what we would want in that moment, just like Eve did when she took that fruit. And uh, I wonder, family dynamics, you know, with Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel whenever they were young, um, surely this didn't happen, but I could just picture, like, way to go, Mom. <laughs> you know, anytime that something's difficult at the home or there's you know, Adams out in the field working, way to go, honey, or surely they didn't say that, and I know that nothing like that, that would ever happen to your house, but uh, I find it a little bit humorous to think of, but I will say this, you've made mistakes. Maybe as a mother, you've made mistakes. Maybe as a father, you've made mistakes. We make some pretty big ones that have lasting consequences, not just for us, but for those we love. And the thing about it is, life isn't over just because we make a mistake. Our parenthood isn't over necessarily just because we make a mistake. And actually, it's interesting that while we don't know, uh, we can surmise and guess a lot about the garden, but we're not told explicitly 
that Adam and Eve started to fulfill the first command God gave them, which was to be fruitful and multiply, until after they messed up, until after the sin of the garden. Now, we can get into where did Cain's wife come from, and maybe they had already populated a good portion of the world before they had even uh, left the garden. And that's possible, and I don't know, but it's interesting that it at least shows us that after Eve sinned in a really significant way, and kind of messed things up in a pretty bad way, and Adam too, again, I don't want to let him off the hook, his passivity was no better. But the thing is, they didn't give up. And I think that's a quality of motherhood and of being a human that we need to latch on to, is that we'll make mistakes. Goodness, I made some. I made some as a father, and I'll say at least he's made some as a mother. Although her track record is probably a lot better than mine when it comes to parenting. But even still, we make mistakes. But hopefully we can move forward. We can move on. Um, because, well, Eve shows us that. Something else we can take from Eve is that she gives us an example of the fact that in this life we will have trouble. And we talked about that last week. Jesus saying that specifically. But I think Eve is a good example of in this life you're going to have heartache. Again, she made a pretty big mistake when she took that fruit. And she was tempted by Satan. Uh, but And then, of course... That had lasting implications. And in Scripture, in, in the, the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, the first 11 chapters or so, I was reading a book a while back that pointed out that it wasn't just the fall of man. That's how we, maybe the title heading of the chapter 3 in the book of Genesis that maybe is in your Bible, and it's accurate. We fell, you know, we were cast out of the garden. We now live in a world that is broken and fallen and full of sin and its consequences, full of death. Um, but it wasn't just a fall, it was a tumble. See, Adam and Eve ate, ate the fruit, but one generation later, their own sons, Cain and Abel, Cain famously murders his brother. Uh, a horrendous grievance against the God who gives life. Cain took it upon himself to take life. And he received his own curse and his own exile because of it. And then beyond that, you get to the story of the flood. And so it's like it just keeps progressing, getting worse and worse and worse. And so we can't all, <laughs> by no means can we point to Eve for all of it because we contribute to it and that's kind of what the book of Genesis shows that yes it started with that moment that initial disobedience but it progresses and with that progression there's heartache and oh Eve Adam and Eve to see their own son kill his brother their other son and then for that older son to be driven off, and for them to be left without anything. But again, they don't give up. Eve doesn't give up. Uh, they continue to fulfill God's first command that he gave Adam and Eve, and that is to be fruitful and multiply. And along comes Seth. 
And Eve says something strange about Seth. She said that God has given me someone in place of Abel whom Cain killed. And um, for a mother to say that, that's pretty strange. Because no mother I know would say, oh, well, you know, here's another one. He replaces the old one because every person is different. Every child is different. And no one child can replace another. And if anybody knows that, it's a mother. But she does still persevere. I don't want to get into the psychology of that statement by any means. I'll just say that she's a good example of a woman, of a mother, who doesn't let heartache stop her in her tracks. Because it can. But she finds a way to keep on living, keep on mothering, even beyond the heartache. And whether we're a mother, whether we're a father, where we're grandparents, uncles, aunts, whether we're cousins, brothers or sisters, or whatever, we're going to have heartache. We're going to have things that come to the verge of breaking us. But we believe that with God's help, with the Holy Spirit's help, with our reliance on Him and His ability to comfort and to heal. Life isn't over until it is over, and we can continue. And maybe we can't replace, like Eve's strange statement, but we can keep on moving. And I think Eve's a good example of that for us. And lastly, Eve is an example of how we are all the image bearers of God. In Genesis chapter 2, we get the story about how God put Adam to sleep and took a rib and fashioned woman out of the rib. And of course, chapter 3 is about the fall whenever Eve took the fruit and ate it. And then we have their family uh, starting in chapter 4. But in chapter 1, the very end of chapter 1, whenever God on the sixth day says, Let us make man... Mankind, humankind, your translation might say, let us make mankind in our image. And in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Eve is no less an image bearer of God than Adam. A woman is no less an image bearer of God than a man. We have different roles. For instance, I am not a mother. And I will never be a mother. Uh, <laughs> that is just not how our roles are designated. I am a father, and Lisa will never be a father. So we have our God-given roles in some ways. To be, I believe, um, you know, to, to live out our lives as a man or a woman, as God has made us. And even though this world can get crazy and throw chaos at us and confusion, and oh, this world's full of confusion. But the thing is, whether you are a man or a woman, a father or a mother, uh, a child or a grandparent, or whatever you are, whoever you are, the one identifying mark of your identity is you're a child of God. Adam was a child of God. Eve was a child of God. And they both bore the image of their Creator. And now today, 
Man is no more a child of God than woman. We are all his children, and we all bear his image. We all have a role to play, and sometimes figuring out that role can even be difficult. How to live out our life as image bearers of God? Well, there's one way we know how to do it. Become like Christ, who is the perfect image bearer of God. You see, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 tells us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. That God himself revealed himself in his son Jesus to us. So, want to know what God looks like? Want to know what God the Father looks like? Look at Jesus. That's what he told his apostles in John. In the Gospel of John, they say, show us the Father. And Jesus said, you're looking at him. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus is the image of God. And you think about image of God, that's like idol in the Old Testament. It said, don't make an image of God. Why? Well, because they already are. The one true image of God, of Jesus Christ, His Son, but also we are the image of God. And so we're not to make little representatives of God because we're supposed to recognize that you and me, male and female, male, female, <laughs> we are all the image of God. And Colossians 1.15 says that Jesus is the perfect image. And if you want to be more, if you want to live up to the image of God within you, be more like Christ. And let Christ and his message and his love change you. And that's actually... What Colossians 1.27 is talking about. Colossians 1.27 is saying that the mystery is being revealed. How? Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's an amazing verse with an amazing idea. That the mystery of what God is trying to convey to the world, the fact that he loves us, the fact that he wants to save us, the fact that he sent his own son to die for us, the fact that he is giving us his Holy Spirit to change us and renew us and point us toward a perfect future of hope and peace where we all share in the perfect identity of being God's children. How is that mystery revealed? Well, of course, it was revealed in Christ, but Christ now is ascended at the right hand of the Father. So now, that mystery is Christ in you, Christ in me. Whether we're mother, father, male, female, whatever, we're all the image bearers, and we all have Christ in us. We're all given the job of reconciliation. Um, that's what Colossians 1 is talking about. When I look at that word reconciliation, that points me back to the story of Eve taking that piece of fruit and taking a bite. And that, that splintered, that broke, that, that started us on our tumble into deeper and deeper depravity and sin and death and guilt and heartache and war and all those things that are tearing our world apart. God reconciles us. And he reconciles us through Jesus, but then he also keeps reconciling through the followers of Jesus, through me and through you. Because we are the hope of glory. Because Christ is in us.
reconciliation. One of the most heartbreaking things in the story of Eve to me is whenever the serpent was tempting her in the garden. Satan twists things. That the serpent twists things is, is God's holding out on you. That's the, that's what's going on here, Eve. God's holding out on you. He he knows that if you eat this, you'll be like him. And that's what got those cogs turning in Eve's mind, thinking, "Ooh, maybe the conspiracy theory, or maybe that is true. Maybe God is holding out on me." Of course, turns out he wasn't. God was protecting us. But she took that fruit in the hopes of being like God. And the thing is, she already was. In Genesis chapter 1, she was already made in the image of God. And that's the, the, the crucial lie off the lips of Satan in that moment. In chapter 3, when he said, if you eat this, you'll be like God. Well, hmm, want to prevent a time machine, go back and tell Eve, you already are. Of course, sometimes I don't believe it. I need somebody to build a time machine and come tell me sometimes, because I forget. I think, ooh, I want to be the one in charge. I want to be the one calling the shots. I want to do things my way. And ultimately, if I just surrender, if we just surrender to the image of God in us, especially renewed in us through the perfect blood and sacrifice of Jesus Christ our Lord, I don't need to be striving for more, 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 more. I just need to be content in the thought of God is my Father, and I am His child, and He is making me more and more like Him every day if I remain faithful, and that's what Colossians says as well. Colossians 1.22 But now he has reconciled you by his physical body through death to present you holy without blemish and blameless before him, if indeed you remain in the faith, established and firm, without shifting, from the hope of the gospel that you heard. Remain in the faith. Hold on to the hope of the gospel of which you heard. That what God is doing in you as a mother, as a father, as a grandparent, as a child, as a single person, as a person who's still trying to figure out what life has in store for them. Whatever circumstance we find ourselves in, be faithful. Hold on to the faith and hold on to the hope of the gospel in which you heard. Hold on to the hope that Jesus can reconcile us. He can, as we come up out of the waters of baptism, make us new, give us new life. Because we make mistakes. Oh, we make mistakes. And we go through heartache. And often those two are tightly connected thing is, I don't have to be perfect. And all you mothers out there, you don't have to be perfect. I know that the Norman Rockwell pictures make you think you have to be perfect, but that's just not true. None of us has to be perfect. We just have to keep trying to follow the one who was and the one who is. Because Jesus wasn't just used to be perfect. He still is. 
He is the author and perfecter of our faith, the one whom we follow in this new life we live for him. Not because we're experts, not because we're so good, and not because our family dynamics are always so great. Um, sometimes our family dynamics aren't perfect at the clap household, I'll say that. But we keep on following Christ. We keep on letting Christ reconcile us more and more to our Heavenly Father and to bring out more and more that image of God within us. Let's close in prayer. Dear Father, thank you so much for giving us the hope of glory. Father, help us to realize that with you, by you living in us and changing us into the image of Christ, we become the hope of glory that others can see and that we can share and invite others into your amazing reconciling work of you and your spirit and of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, help us as we fail and mostly just help us not to give up. Father, thank you for this day. Help us to honor all those who are deserving of honor, and specifically our mothers on this day. But Father, we honor you, and we honor Christ Jesus our Lord. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.